oh so wrong and oh so wrong. We were wrong. I'm Matt. I'm sorry. He's Paul. (laughs) Welcome to Basketballers. So look, Paul and I write about everything on this show all the time. Pretty much. Always. But not always, actually. Maybe some of the time. Paul's more right than I am. 70% of the time. Although my hot takes are kind of... 100% of the time. Pretty good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) scarily so sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Your hot takes are, it's like, when you say it, I'm like, no fucking way. And then six months later, I'm like, I don't think your hot take was spicy enough. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost being real. (laughs) Like, Nick Nurse hasn't been fired, but Toronto sucks. Yeah, the Hawks are currently the fourth seed. Shit, <laughs> we're 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 definitely living in like a simulation. It, it has to be. I need you to have some hot take where I'm like a millionaire in six months or something like that. I'll think of something. Hot take. Okay, so, but while we're not wrong all the time, there we wanted to shout out some players, and Paul brought up the stats to back it up. Who, um, who who we've we been wrong, wrong about? about. Uh, yeah, you got to own up for your sins. Yeah. Three, three players, and look, all three players we've always respected, um, but we undervalued them. Absolutely. We underrated them, and all three of them. Well, I think one of them we haven't really undervalued that much. It's just there's been some stats that I was showing Paul today that really show this player in kind of a different light. It's kind of a really interesting stat, um, but yeah, we'll start with uh, I guess the young pup. Paul, bring it in. Zion Williamson, we're sorry. We're sorry, Zion. We're sorry. Beginning, we, we beginning, of the, beginning of the season, I was, I was just kind of anti ESPN anyway, and so ESPN was hyping him up, and they're all like, "Oh my God, Zion's great. He's like the next best player," and he was taken number one overall in last year's drafts, and just there was so much hype that I'm like, "This is a bubble. This is basically a a Zion hype bubble," and I'm not buying into it. Yeah. And as it turns out, they were, they were right. Well, they weren't right for the right reasons, though. But They were right for the wrong reasons. But I was wrong. For, for any, the right reasons. But it's still I was wrong. Yeah. And that's why we're here. We're sorry, Zion. Because Zion... Zion he is currently... Just some quick stats. Oh, he's, yeah. He's number seven overall in win shares. Which... We don't, we're not going to get into these advanced stats. But basically... Being being higher up on the leaderboard is better for all these. He's number 11 in VORP, the value over replacement player. Number 12 in box plus minus. And number 4 in player efficiency rating. So basically, he's a top 10 player. Basically, right. That's We're not going to get into all these and tear them apart. But basically, a top 10 player. And I don't have the stats pulled up now, but his shooting efficiency, because he doesn't take like any threes, but it's absolutely insane. But he can hit a few threes too. Yeah, he can. But like his his field goal percentage is nuts. He's having a great year. And he, the thing about Zion that's nuts, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Giannis thing, where he's so imposing that defenses don't know what to do. Like Zion has one move basically. Yeah, but and he's, it's and he's re- the most effective move probably in the NBA right now. 
he gets so much lateral distance off his jump. Like, he'll be three feet away from the basket and just kind of glide sideways and then have this nice little layup. It's wild. So, his he's number eight overall in true shooting percentage right now, which is really good. So, that's, yeah. just, that's just another advanced stat where it's like, you're number eight? Okay, like... It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is for this. He's a second-year player. And by the way, um, I don't think we're really going to talk about many players who are overrated. I don't think we have it on our list. But I want to give an interesting little comparison quick. Sorry, Paul, this is going off the script already. It, hey, we made it like two minutes. No, don't worry. It won't be very long. <laughs> but a player that people kept hyping up, and he's had, like, he's had good advanced stats, but a player that I just I think is I think's overrated is Luka. And Zion... I think might already be a better player than Luca. Sorry. I know Luca's got the stats. Whoa. I know he's got the oh. rebounds and assists. Zion is, I think he's more of an impact player. Literally. If Zion came toward me running, he would impact me against the fucking. <laughs> oh man. Jesus Christ. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm not scared of Luca. I'm scared of Zion for my life. For those who don't know, Zion, Zion's physical compare, his best physical comparison would be Charles Barkley. Like, like young stacked Charles Barkley, not inside yeah. the NBA. No, like the young Charles Barkley, <laughs> the, the age appropriate. He's Charles like six Barkley. seven, two eighty. It's and like in mo- muscle like, mass, and he can still jump like forty inches in the air. It's crazy. It's <laughs> like it shouldn't be possible, and then he does it, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> like that man would hurt me on a football field. Like there I would mean, be. He's, he's built like a football player. There would be multiple ambulances waiting on the football field if he was a linebacker or something like that. But he's a second-year player, Paul. And oh, and he has great touch around the rim. Like that's that's the most amazing thing to me. Yeah, he's doing finish like through seven footers that he wasn't really facing in college, just going around them, bank shots. He's he's been nice. So Zion, we're sorry. We're sorry. Next player, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, we're sorry. The uh, Matt brought up a stat that he wanted to reference before. Matt, you want to read this out? Yeah. So. Paul and I have talked about this a lot in general about Chris Paul because the conundrum on Chris Paul is he hasn't won a championship, but everyone's always talked about how, well, he always makes his teams better and always makes – that's kind of like the the talking point around Chris Paul. But, like, there's never been a lot of stats behind that. And it's until, kind of it's kind of like defense where it's – Right. It's something that you notice when you're watching multiple games of his, but it's tough to really put into numbers and facts and figures. It's kind of more of a uh, – an emotional plea rather than a logistic plea. So I'll go through this quick because there's a few different stats on it. It's the same style of stat, but it's when Chris Paul goes to a new team, that team gets better. So Hornets before Chris Paul and after, basically he improved that team's winning percentage by 24%. Which is a big percent. Crazy. The Clippers by 21%. The Rockets by almost 13%. The Thunder was only by two percent, but that that was, just, went, that was such an anomaly. Of it's a, an anomaly because he went to the Thunder the year after Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and they they together. they were starting their rebuild. Like right, Chris Paul was just thrown into the trade for Russell Westbrook because he had to be for right. salary. Right, and so he was going to a rebuilding team, and they were better. Yeah, and then the Suns, where, uh, where he is now, <laughs> twenty six percentage points yeah crazy and i mean the the suns did other things too in in their defense right like no 
<clears throat> no stat is perfectly clean. So, like, the Suns brought in other veterans. All their young players got better. You know, you could, like, on the Hawks this year, you could say Bogdanovich is, like, a top 10 player because he joined the team and now the Hawks winning percentage went up. But not every player has been able to show this over that long of a career span. Oh, yeah. And that's I mean, the thing. Right, right. So, that's, that's what I'm also trying to point yeah. out is that there is some noise, but he's done this thing, like, this stat, floor raising five different times and by quite a bit too yeah. each time yeah so it's it's not an anomaly which is this is a very good stat because then you're not just saying like to the masses oh he's good trust me it's like okay he made every single team better that he's been on and i agree with, like and i agree with paul on the whole the thunder stat is it's really it's deceiving because basically if there was a year between like if there was a year between where Westbrook and Paul George were there and CP3 going there, which there wouldn't have been because the trade had to be made, but just yep. if there were a year between, he would have improved it by like 30 percentage points probably. Oh yeah. Because they were going to be garbage. Yep. They just they went into straight garbage and CP3 and then came out of it like looking okay. It was, they took the Houston Rockets to seven games in the playoffs. Right. After trading away their best player. <laughs> to the Houston Rockets. To the Houston hey. Right. To that team. No. So, good job for Chris Paul. Just yeah. Over the course of Chris his career. Chris Paul, we're sorry. We are sorry. Uh, he's currently number 14 offensive win shares, number 18 in defensive, and number 10 overall for win shares, which is really good. And I also just... Kind of side shout out his head coach this year, Monty Williams. Monty Williams is a great coach. I'm super happy for him in Phoenix. Very underrated coach. And he he was there last year. We'll talk about Phoenix in a little bit, but whoo boy. But something I'd forgotten about. Monty Williams coached CP3, Chris Paul. In New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. For, for one year. Yep. And then Monty Williams got the boot. And now he's in Phoenix and Chris Paul shows up again and they're reunited and kicking ass and like Shout out to Monty Williams. I mean, that's kind of going around the block the wrong way, but still ended up at home. I like that, Paul. It was good. <laughs> All right. The last person that we need to apologize to. We're sorry, we're Rudy so, Gobert. We're so sorry, Rudy Gobert. We messed up. Please forgive us. Rudy Gobert is really good. And He's like, really at the beginning of the season when he got the new contract. We were kind of debating, is he worth the money? Do you really want to give Rudy Gobert? Should he be traded? Right. Do they just blow it up? Is yeah. it worth it? I mean, those we were, were wrong. Those were, <laughs> those were legitimate conversations that we were having. And not only us, like other people were having them too. And we were wrong. Rudy Gobert is really good. And he's, he's a tough one to judge because he's seven foot. His nickname's the Stifle tower stifle tower yep. yeah which which is a fantastic nickname but because he's from france um and it's really hard to judge a player like that because offense has never been his mo it's never been what he's best at and defense is always really tough to quantify and so he's sort of been an enigma where you're like this player is really good but we don't know how much he's worth because we can't just compare well he's putting up this many points and this many assists because all his impact comes from this like mystery void of he's good on defense and players are scared of him. And you just, you can't put like a, a dollar amount on 
how scared players are driving on them. I know I compared this before, and I don't know if you like this comparison or not, so whatever, I don't care. But it's like a good cornerback in the NFL. Yeah. Like the elite cornerbacks don't get passes thrown to them as much. Right. Like to the wide receivers that they're covering because they're so good. Yeah, so quarterbacks are forced to go elsewhere, and then that changes their game plan. And Yeah, it's, and it is, it's so hard to quantify, but look, the yeah. Utah Jazz made a gamble, and it's it was the right choice. It's paid off. So Rudy Gobert is currently leading the league in total rebounds. Interestingly, he's not leading in rebounds per game, but availability is a skill, as I like to say, and he's been available. Yeah, I think the league-leading rebounder is some Yahoo down south. Yeah, probably named Clint Capella. Clint Capella. Side shout-out to Clint Capella just because he's a hawker. But Gobert is currently number 14 in PER, leads the league in defensive rating and defensive win shares. Yikes. Which, again, these these stats are murky, right? Like, they, they paint a picture, but there are some players who are on these leaderboards, and you're like, they're actually bad. <laughs> but... He's leading both of these defensive stats. And he's consistently been up there in those stats for yes. a while. Yes. So he is not surprising to be leading that stat. <laughs> right. What is surprising, he's number eight in offensive win shares. <laughs> yeah. He's the highest rated Utah player for offensive win shares, which he's not the best offensive player on Utah. There's like four or five other players you would take before him. But he's clearly having an impact, and he has gotten better this year on offense. I mean, his he's able to like take a dribble, make some passes, yeah, do some like more awkward layup attempts than he used to be able to. He used to just dunk it, and that was basically it. He does have more room to operate too, just because everybody else can shoot threes in Utah, and he's he's in a great place in Utah. Absolutely, right? Yeah, Rudy and Go- it's also good for the three-point shooters around him. It's it's ideal, honestly, the way that team is built. Yes. I mean, if Rudy Gobert was in Sacramento or Orlando, like one of the bottom feeder teams. It was Minnesota. Just, Minnesota. Actually, he'd be really – he'd be great alongside Cat. Okay, just stop. <laughs> Don't make me more depressed than I already am. But he it would be kind of put to waste. He's, yeah. he's in a perfect spot, and he's worth all the money. Yeah, I think uh, – he's. He's number two overall in win shares right now, only behind Jokic. No, we got that one wrong for sure. Kind of interestingly, Gobert is currently number 15 in Vorp. Chris Paul's number 16. So two of the players we were wrong about are just back-to-back. But clearly they're both at least top 15 players in the league. And And Zion's a top 10? Zion might be top 10. Kind of has to be. I kind of. It's kind of cringy to say it. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm still underrating him. Like I just apologized about him. But he kind of has to be though. I'm like still hesitant about putting him in the top ten. But he's, if he's not top ten, he's for sure top fifteen. The, I mean, if he's not top ten, he's probably top twelve. And that's, yeah, that's where like, oh, and the crazy thing too is Paul. I think the reason that we undervalued him before was. We both were like, look, he had a small sample size his rookie year. He was and injured the, a lot. And there's still a smaller sample size. And we said also, the advanced stats are going to eat him alive. We said that. I remember that. Advanced stats. And they fucking love him. We which were, is the conundrum because he passes the eye we, test with we flying colors. We were wrong. And, and advanced stats also love him. So it's hard to not put him in the top 10. 
He's a highlight machine. He shoots such a high percentage from the field. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes because there's really not a lot of room for error because he has a pretty simple offensive game, but it works. Yeah. And the advanced stats love him. It's it's crazy. It's a tough argument to keep him out of the – it's just – yeah, it feels it's cringy so to say. It feels yeah. wrong to say it. But it's like, who do you take out? I don't know. That's, well, who was in our top ten? We'll have to just, go through. That's just tough. But anyway, those were three players that we just wanted to publicly apologize to. Something kind of interesting is, well, two two interesting things. I'll start with um, the New Orleans. So, New Orleans, they're currently the Pelicans. They used to be the New Orleans well, there was a New Orleans Jazz, and then they went to Utah. And then there was there were the Charlotte Hornets, who then went to New Orleans. So they became the New Orleans Hornets. Right. Uh, they changed their name. Charlotte got a new expansion team. They were the Bobcats. Then they became the Hornets again. And then New Orleans is now the Pelicans. If you followed all that, good for you. <laughs> but what's interesting is why they uh, why they moved from – Charlotte to New Orleans in the first place. Do you have any do you have any guesses on this, Matt? I don't. So there I mean there's there's multiple instances of teams moving in the past and a lot of times it's just because a new a new arena is going to get built. There's sure. like a lot of shady public money coming in or they're just in Minnesota and want to go to LA because there's more money in LA. Yeah. Just to rub that in a little bit more for you. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm just going to read this verbatim from Wikipedia so I don't get in any uh, any trouble. The owner of the Charlotte Hornets at the time was a guy named George Shin, and he was accused of kidnapping and sexually assaulting a Charlotte woman. A jury rejected the claims at trial in December 1999, but Shin admitted in court to having two sexual relationships outside of his marriage, which damaged his reputation. The trial was broadcast nationwide on court TV and drew some of the cable network's highest ratings at the time. The trial and the subsequent tarnished reputation was one of the key reasons for the move from Charlotte to New Orleans. So court TV <laughs> is like kind of to blame. Well, not not to blame, but they were um, a catalyst in getting Jesus an NBA team Christ. moved from Charlotte to New Orleans. Well, and the Bensons own the Pelicans. Or Hornets, Pelicans. Well, yep. I bet when it became the Pelicans. Right, because then this guy... Because the league owned well, for a while. So this guy moved the team to New Orleans. Yeah. Then he basically went bankrupt. So the team, so the NBA, the league, yeah. had to step in, buy the team from them. Yep. And then they sold the team to the, owner, to the owner of the New Orleans Saints because they didn't want the team to move again. Yep. And so, yeah, the Bensons were huge in New Orleans and had all the money. But... That was it was kind of crazy to read that. Court TV. Also, I think I've mentioned this before on here, but I, I mentioned it to Paul recently again. I love this idea. Um so <clears throat> listen, one of the interns that Mike Bloomberg is paying to listen to all the podcasts on the internet. Listen up. Have have <laughs> my have is Mikey. That real? Probably. Would you <laughs> would you be surprised? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either, actually. Um, please listen to the technology online. <laughs> and make sure you don't drink a big soda. A sodies. I wish you could see me because I'm folding my hands like Bloomberg does. That wasn't that wasn't bad though. Look, Mike Bloomberg is like not human. 
He's kind of a reptile. But <laughs> I wonder if he has a reptile dysfunction. Uh. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, look, James Dolan owns the Knicks, and he's the worst owner in the NBA. Um, I think he was probably the only person who was upset when Donald Sterling was kicked out because he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm the bottom feeder now. We've talked about James Dolan. Terrible. Mike Bloomberg just needs to put his money. He has more money than God. Just needs He just needs to own the Knicks. He doesn't have to. He can hire good people to run it. He just needs to own the Knicks. So there's no problems. Like James Dolan kicks Charles Oakley out of Knicks games. His staff doesn't recognize Patrick Ewing when he comes to the garden. Stuff that's not cool. Like no, just, he has such thin skin. Just use it as an investment vehicle. Exactly. Just be like, I give you three billion now. I pay other people to run the team. I don't even care about it. You know, I'm not like managing the team. All I know is the value is going up. I get more money out of it than I put in at the end of the day. It's an investment vehicle. Honestly, James Dolan's not the owner of the Knicks. Their value is going to skyrocket overnight. If they put together a competent team, if if they would even win a if they won a title, holy cow. Woo! The amount of Knicks hats that we get sold will like circle the globe. But even but even even just changing ownership, he's so hated that yeah. just his departure and like someone like Bloomberg, just his money and steady right. hand of like, I'm gonna have some of my business guys run it. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> the well, because the Knicks have been good this year, and yeah. then there was this whole thing where this this guy wore a fire Dolan shirt to a Knicks game and was thrown out. Because James Dolan has thin skin, and that became the big storyline. James Dolan always steals storylines from his team, so like, and, and not in a good way. No, they just they need a new owner. They need someone who's going to be hands off, who's just going to put the money up. So Mike Bloomberg, do it up. Yeah, it makes sense. And he's the kind of guy who has enough money to buy James Dolan out. Just going like, oh yeah, Jim, it's time. <laughs> go 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 play your saxophone somewhere else. <laughs> Which Dolan might actually take that. Who and the- get hired by nobody to play saxophone oh, anywhere because he he's terrible. He doesn't have to get hired when, True, you, when you buy the venue and yeah. then book yourself. He's done that. Yeah. Not cool. So anyway, we're going to talk about Phoenix for just a little, not, not the Knicks, but Phoenix has been really good this year. And they just kind of deserve a team shout out to themselves. Uh, let's see. They are currently second in the West. One they've, game behind. They have a record of 36 and 14, which is really, really good. good. Yeah. And, I mean, this is the team Chris Paul is currently on, who we're shouting out. So we talked about them a little bit. Something interesting that I was looking at is Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, who was a top pick, what, three years ago? Two years? Three years ago. And Mikhail Bridges. Four years ago. Was it four years ago? Yeah, because it was before Trey Young and Luca. Or no, it was that draft. You're it was right. that draft. Three years ago. Yep. Because <clears throat> Aiden was first Yeah, overall. he was first. Yep, you're right. And Mikhail Bridges, who's a good player, kind of flies under the radar a little bit. But they're all in the top 20 win shares in the league. Yeah, Paul and I were talking. DeAndre Aiden, he plays center. He's actually been pretty underrated this year because he's a good defensive player. And pretty competent on offense too yeah and when when he came into the league he was he was supposed to be all defense and then it turned out his defense was terrible and his offense was good and so you're like wait what is this guy 
But he's kind of figured it out, and he's a he's a great he's, anchor on he's that. He's figured team. it out. Yeah, it's kind of, like you look at James Wiseman on Golden State currently, and he's having a lot of the same problems. You kind of look at him, and you're like, okay, if you can follow that same general path, like three years from now, you're going to be a good player. Yeah. And Aiden, Aiden is helping them win. He's not just kind of there along for the ride. Like he's getting, he's getting big rebounds over like he was. They played Utah, so he was getting rebounds over Gobert yesterday. Well, and that's the thing. He's gonna have to play big, literally and figuratively, in the West because he, there's a lot of big bodies. And he doesn't shoot threes, but he can get out to like 15 feet. He's kind of the the Garnett prototype in that way. And also, Phoenix doesn't need him to shoot threes. No, it's but, like Gobert, right? Like they don't need Aiton to shoot threes. No, but it, his shot looks good. Yeah, for sure. So like, it wouldn't surprise me if in two years he's shooting a few corner threes if they need him to. And this is what's so great about NBA team development, though, right? Like the teams and the staff are smart enough. We have they have enough stats and video and all this stuff to be able to say, "Hey, we have Chris Paul, we have Mikael Bridges, we have Devin Booker, we have Dario Saric, yep. we have Jay Crowder. They all shoot threes. DeAndre Ayton, look, you're going to be great someday. Shooting threes probably will get you there. Don't even worry about it yet. We don't want you taking threes. It's so cool how teams are so specific to their players about shot selection and what shots they want them to take. And so, cool. Like, he doesn't need to. And the fact that he doesn't need to yet is perfect for his development because he can focus on what he's doing, continue to do it well. I. But, yeah, yeah. Mikhail Bridges has also been, like, a huge surprise this year. He's been really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, advanced stats really like Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's someone who passes the eye test. He looks good, but you don't really see all of his impact on the game because a lot of it is defensive, and then he's mm-hmm. just shooting some threes. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the advanced stats tie it all together, and they're like, this is a winning player. You're going to win with this player. And, I mean, to have three players in the top 20 of any advanced stat category like that is crazy. That's when you start to kind of look at them and say, are they a contender? Like, is Mikhail Bridges being maybe your third best player by stats? A contender. And you're like, maybe, yeah. Even if it's like Booker and Paul, and then you have like Aiton and Bridges kind of together as that next tier. Right. And Jay Crowder rounding it out for starting five. That's a nice starting five. But, yeah, the, the weird thing, though, is so Devin Booker is arguable. You can argue Chris Paul's their best player. You can argue Devin Booker's their best player. The advanced stats love Chris Paul, and they hate Devin Booker. Booker's number 54 in win shares, number 65 in VORP. Like, those aren't good. If you were some alien and you didn't watch basketball, you just looked at the stats, you wouldn't think Devin Booker was that good of a basketball player. But he's arguably their best at least their second best player i think it's like when we go rounds about you know mike conley versus donovan mitchell on utah i think it's yeah, a similar we, conversation we, we do go around it's, about a, it's that. a similar conversation although i think this it, one is a, i think this one's even closer because i think devin booker is the best player on phoenix but i think chris paul's the most important i yeah it, there are a lot of similarities to conley and Mitchell and it's like what you've talked Paul was talking about before we did our pod tonight about and he mentioned it briefly but um players that raise your floor and that raise your ceiling right so like Chris Paul raises every team's floor so they go from they're automatically better 
But Devin Booker is a player that raises your ceiling, so where you could go, right? Um, those two players together, it's dangerous. So you have Chris Paul, who's steady. His pace of play is solid. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. Yep. He has a discipline that ruminates to the entire team. But then at the end of the game, and look, Chris Paul's also deadly at the end of game situations, by the way. Oh, yeah. He is the, very, very calculated and, and cold at and the end Chris, of the game. Chris Paul is so good that he raises your floor and your ceiling. But More the floor. But more the floor. Yeah. Yes. But Devin Booker is the kind of guy who you're like, okay, we just all of a sudden got down by 13 points. What the hell? How'd that happen? And he's like, all right, guys, hold on. All right. Hold my beer. And he gets you 17 points in like 10 minutes. He's it, the kind of player who can get so – I mean, for, first of all, he's on pretty much all the time. He shoots yeah. so well. But he can get so hot. Like, he's – I mean, to me, it's it's a, it's a short list, right? Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, um, Devin Booker, probably Kyrie. Uh, who am I missing? Jamal Murray. Yeah, um, maybe a Durant. Durant. If you want to throw that maybe, in Maybe, yeah. It's a short list. Could just get flaming hot. Piping hot. Maybe even a Zach Levine. Would you throw that in there? Maybe not quite yet. He's he's borderline. Yeah. He'll probably be there next year. Yeah, because sometimes Zach Levine just goes on a tear. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, to your point, those are the players that you get scared of. You're playing them for a seven-game series, and you're like, oh, shit, I hope Booker doesn't score like 40 on us tonight. Well, that's the thing. Like there, And that I was saying this to Paul before before our pod tonight there will like okay for instance let's say um the clippers play phoenix in a series that's just for the purpose of this exercise if you're the clippers game planning look you have paul george who's an elite three-point shooter one of the best in the league but he's not a guy who get who who you're scared of dropping 40 on you every night no he he may drop 40 and you're like Okay, he's a good player. But you're not afraid of it every night. Kawhi is obviously a robot, amazing, so efficient, but you're not afraid of him dropping 40 on you every night. Can he? Yes. But you're not afraid of it. Devin Booker, you are afraid that he will explode for 50. Keep in mind, and I forgot about this, that he scored 70 points when he was 20. Yeah, second year in the league, I think. He was like 20 years old. Scored 70 points in a game. Because he came into the league super young. Yeah. He was a one and done at Kentucky. Yep. But, I mean, kind of like Ant this year. He was just he was young for even being in college. And then one and done. So, he was young just even getting into the right. NBA. So, yeah, his second year in the league, he's basically the same age as other people just getting into the league. Scores 70. So, I mean, if, if I'm any team playing Phoenix... First of all, you have to watch out for Chris Paul because he's just Chris Paul. So And they're just going to be good. But then you have Devin Booker who can flamethrow you into oblivion. I mean, I I honestly love the Conley and Mitchell comparison. Yeah. Because Conley is also the very steady. Like, you're not going to worry about Conley dropping 40 or 50. But Mitchell might because he has. Yeah. And that's who you're scared of. I mean, I, ideally, we have a Utah Phoenix series where it's CP3 and Conley dropping like 25 with 15 dimes. And then yep. you have. And, and playing solid defense. Yeah. And then you have Booker and Mitchell each dropping like 40 or 50. And it's a seven game series, and whoever wins, cool. That'd be such a good That's series. Ideal. But the point Paul and I are making about the West, and 
really just, I mean, this is really to Phoenix's testament, a testament to them is the West is so strong. I mean, there are so, there's so many scary teams in the NBA right now. Like there's a lot of years where you'll be like, I don't know who's going to win the championship because you know, it's kind of anyone's game. There's not like one team that stands out to me. There are so many teams in the East and the West that stand out this year that could win the champion. I wouldn't be surprised if multiple teams, well, multiple teams can't win. Um, <laughs> there are multiple teams that I wouldn't be surprised if any one of them won. Oh, yeah. I and mean, Phoenix is one of them at this point. You can't doubt they, Phoenix. It's they, not a small sample size anymore. No, they've proven. I mean, 36 and 14, you're 50 games in, and your winning percentage is 72%. You're doing it. You're doing it. So, no. Shout out to Phoenix. Shout out to Phoenix. Again, shout out to Monty Williams. Yeah, I like putting it I together. Liked, I liked that. Just and sorry, coach of the year. I mean, there's a case for there's that. There's a good case for it. There's also, there's a, a good case for Quinn Snyder, but Phoenix's rise. Hey, a Phoenix rising. Oh, oh bad joke. Oh man. But seriously, Phoenix's rise is I think because there's not ever a like comeback coach of the year or whatever. So I, I think, de- I think he deserves it. Most, frankly. most improved coach. <laughs> I think he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, I'd also just give a shout out to the OKC coach. Cause it's his first year on the job and he's doing a good job. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I mean, Mark Dagonal, he's doing yeah. a good job, but yeah. I'm saying Phoenix is one oh, of yeah, the top no. teams in the league. Oh yeah. No, I just wanted to give a, yeah. a quick shout out there. Yeah, okay, so you'll get theirs in a couple years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That, that's all we wanted to cover on the on the apology episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess all I would end with is is to kind of go uh, off a little what I said is we're heading to the end of the season. There's about a month of basketball left. And it's good basketball. It's good basketball. And Watch it if you can. We're, we're having a tight race on the East with the top three teams. You can flush all that NCAA out of your system with some NBA basketball. <laughs> Thank God we have that shit done with. <laughs> Get it out of there. Isn't it funny Gonzaga goes undefeated and gets fucking trounced by Baylor in the championship? Isn't it wonderful? I, I could honestly care less. You couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. <laughs> Great grammar, Paul. Yeah, right. Fuck me. Anyway, uh, that's all we got. But until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Basketballers.